I don't know if we've talked about this before, but we actually have bought our tickets for our first excursion, bought one-way tickets to France. And we're going to France and we plan to stay there for about three months. And then we've talked about where we want to go after that, but we don't have any solid plans. Hello, and welcome to episode five of My Freelance Life, a brand new podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I'm Preston, and with me on the air today is my friend, Andy. Hi. If you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job, and this show is a weekly check-in with Andy to see what really happens when you decide to pursue freelancing full-time. You will find show notes for this episode at freelancelifepodcast.com slash five. That's just the number five. And this episode of My Freelance Life is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers. You can and you should try FreshBooks free for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash Andy. Picture this for just a second. You just had a killer meeting with a potential client. I mean, the kind where you air high five yourself in the elevator afterwards. You know you've been there. You said all the right things. You listened to all the right moments. Your client was really excited. And you can tell they're ready to move forward. But then they ask you to send an official proposal in writing before they make their final decision. That's right. A proposal. You know it should be especially professional, probably on company letterhead or something, explaining everything you just pitched in an easy-to-digest way, and it really has to close the deal. Well, that's a lot of stress, and you can take all the stress out of sending proposals with the all-new proposals feature in the completely revamped FreshBooks. Take a look and try it out for free at freshbooks.com Andy, and when they ask how did you hear about us, just type Andy. Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting freelancers everywhere. Well, what are what are we going to chat about today, Andy? Well, how have things been going on the freelancing front, man? Good. Even just since the last time we talked, which was only a few days ago, really, things have changed. I think maybe even that up in that episode, I mentioned that things had kind of died down yeah. for a bit. And well, if I didn't mention it then, it, it did happen around that time. And now, and now again, they have pick back up. It's like out of the blue, all of a sudden I get a whole lot of messages and I spend a good amount of time replying to those every day and people potentially seeking to to make contracts on their projects and everything. And then all of a sudden it feels like I have a whole lot to do at once. And which is good because sometimes you need those to balance out the the dry spells. But anyway, so things are going well in that regard. Uh, and now we'll see if I can hold on to my sanity and actually push through all the projects. I did actually, sometimes I'll, I'll try to plan in advance and if it just feels a bit too much or, well, here, here's maybe a good thing to share is that I'm, I'm starting to get to the point of recognizing when a particular job or a client is not the best fit. And for, for example, last night I declined one, even though, I mean, it would have been good. They, they proposed, they were um, willing to accept my my profile rate and everything. They just something felt a little off. It just, you know how, okay, here's, a, here's an odd tangent, but I think it applies. You know how some people are what we call mean texters? You heard that term before? <laughs> yeah. When you ask them a, a nice long written out question and they respond with yes. <laughs> or or right. sometimes worse, yes, period. Yeah. <laughs> they just sound 
like so angry and they like don't put emotion or feeling into it and you really don't know what they're thinking. Anyway, so it was kind of the equivalent of that. Not not to the same extent, but this potential client when they wrote their messages, it was just very straightforward and it was and I was worried that if I got into things it would just be very strict and and potentially difficult to work with. Now, chances are this person is fine. It would have been easy and or even if not, even if it would have been slightly difficult, um I don't have to be that picky and and probably in another situation I would have gone through with a project, but because I had you know, five or six or however many projects sitting there waiting for me to reply to people. And I felt like it was a bit overwhelming. I thought, well, I'm just going to cut this one. And who knows? I mean, I'll never know now what would have happened, but yeah, it's nice to at least have that interesting that ability or that enough opportunities to make a decision like that. This opens up a whole can of worms in terms of questions that yeah. I have, actually. So so I think this maybe will be good for the episode. First of all, business is slow, like last week when we were chatting. And then all of a sudden, you start getting all these requests because you're mostly, as we've established in the show, you're mostly working through Upwork right now, yeah. getting all your clients through Upwork. And all of a sudden, for some reason, everyone decides that they need something done right now probably end of year stuff or whatever. And and you get all these requests because your profile is healthy. And so you start getting actually too many requests to be completely honest, right? Uh, like you borderline. Yeah. I'd say this like roller coaster income and roller coaster workload and that sort of thing. I'm curious like how you're dealing with that and if it's something you expected or didn't expect or, yeah, or how you're feeling about it. Well, I, I think it looking at it from an outside perspective it does kind of seem a little roller coasty and to me it doesn't feel that crazy or maybe it's just that the the parts where it gets slow or or whatever it sounds like would maybe affect me or make me worried or something but I don't feel that way and I think that's because so far even when it's been slow going or uh, a low amount of incoming requests and such it hasn't been that bad and i'm usually still working on projects from before so even though like the new projects aren't coming in at at a at a quick rate like i'm still have work to do and i did expect this coming into it to some i didn't know like exactly what it would look like but i knew that there would be some times that were more full than others and in fact what i planned to do at the onset like as i was preparing to leave my job and and do this full time, I thought, you know, I'll work on whatever projects I can get. And then if I've finished all these projects and I have more time in the day that I could dedicate to working, then I'll start putting that time into looking for new jobs um, or gigs or whatever. Um, and if I've, you know, used up that time and I have more time to spend in a day, then I have I actually have a list of all the different things I want to learn that oftentimes apply to other job postings that I see that I'm not uh, comfortable doing because I need to increase my skill set in one way or another. So I kind of made this plan of what to do if if there was a lot of extra time on on my plate and I needed to work towards earning more money. Even all those things don't generate income directly like an actual gig would do. They would prepare for a lead to it in the future. So yes, I expected it, but it hasn't felt that crazy because even when it's gotten low, it hasn't, the, the volume hasn't been too low or a scary amount, or I've been worried that it wouldn't pick up again or anything like that. Okay. And what what about on the other end? Yeah. Like, I mean, you've only been at this for a few yeah. months, really, like really building your Upwork 
portfolio and profile, really, really sort of aggressively trying to do this freelancing thing full time. What happens when you're getting double the amount of requests that you can take in? Do you only take the quality clients? Do you start to subcontract out to other freelancers who can do the work and you take a, you know, like a finder's fee or a percentage of the payment or what does that look like? That's a great question. I'm really glad the, that you brought that up and the way you said it because I have one thing written on my notebook today that I thought would be a, a neat thing to talk about and it goes right along with this question. But uh, before I get to that, just in general, yeah, this is the one thing where it does, where it affects me emotionally or whatever is when I get stressed because there's too many. And part of it is just learning to efficiently manage the different things going on. And similar to what we talked about with planning for moving into a different country, like there are certain things that are out in the future, different projects, but I'll perhaps put them off in favor of doing something that has to be done that day. And then all of a sudden it's upon me and I have to figure it out in a, in a day or whatever. And like lack episode, you're staying up till four in the morning or whatever to finish. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I've done a couple of times now. Yeah. Um, like we talked about before and maybe even I did it once since then, not to the crazy extent though, but um, yeah, so that's where it does affect me is in terms of getting stressed with a lot of, a lot of different projects in the air. And we can talk sometime, I guess about, what I've been doing to try to manage that and stay organized with it. And it's definitely helped. But you did say something about subcontracting to other freelancers. I didn't go about this intentionally or with, with that specifically in mind that, you know, when I get a lot of projects, I'm going to subcontract them out. But it's actually happened a few times, not in the way some might expect. So for instance, I was talking with one client, uh, I don't know, a month ago or whatever, and he was looking for a project and we were trying to like find a cool way to build it with Google Sheets and with Google Forms. It was working, but it just seemed a little less than ideal. Like I, I love building with Google Apps scripts and I love building in spreadsheets and everything. But at the end of the day, it's not best suited for all projects out there. And I knew we could make him a, a, a system that would work for what he needed. He basically just needed a proof of concept for a, a website and a product he wanted to build. But I thought, you know, in the long run, it's going to be way better to just have it built another way. He realized this as well, but he didn't want to put the money in in advance. So basically what happened is I thought about it. I thought about how much I would be charging him for it. And I thought I, of my, my friend who's a developer and um, I decided to just pitch the idea to him. So I sent him the job description. I said, would you be able to complete something like this um, in a very rough format for about the same thing that I'm charging the guy. And then he he would end up with a project, my friend, and the, the client would end up with a more ideal setting for his product. So we talked about it a bit. The client and my friend talked and he ended up taking the the project. And I was totally fine with it because it would have been kind of a messy thing for me to build anyway. And it would have stayed together, but it would have been less than ideal. So uh, I was able to give this to another freelancer. And then the, the guy, the client was really cool about it. He paid me anyway, not for the whole thing, of course, but um, basically what amounted to a consulting session that we chatted on the phone for an hour or whatever. We talked through all the, the details and then I connected him with someone who could do for the same cost, something that will last this guy longer. And so that has happened yeah. and it's happened 
a couple other times somewhat, but less dramatically where I've, um, I asked another friend, um, for some help on a, on a particular project. Cause I was stuck on a certain element and it turns out that the client was happy to pay for that extra person. So I said, you know, how much time did you spend on it? They spent a good half hour. So I, I was able to give them some of what I made from this client and the client paid me extra for it. And my friend was happy because it was a higher rate than what they would have expected, I think. And the client was happy because we had someone really quick, get it done really quick for this really tricky spot. And and I was happy because I also got to work on the project and it was a very, very positive situation for all. I love that. I've heard about freelancers who will form like a collective. They all rent a co-working space or something together and like they all technically work for themselves and and at like at any moment they can do any project they want to do but like one's a designer and one's a developer and one's a an illustrator and one's a writer and one's a marketing person and and then and then it's like when the designer has a client who is like hey do you know anyone that could write this copy then they you know they turn around their chair and they're like hey copywriter friend of mine um, here, you know, here's some work that needs done or whatever. And they, and they sort of feed each other pieces of jobs and then, and then, you know, they figure out the the revenue on the back end. So that's cool. I mean, do you, do you see that? Do you foresee that becoming like, let's say best case scenario, you start getting whatever you're getting now in terms of like messages from clients per day, like proposals or what, what, what do you call them when a client like reaches out to you or request for proposal? Uh, it, well, it's called a, yeah, it's a request for a proposal. I think they call it an invitation to interview. And then, okay, so on Upwork, yeah. it's an invitation to interview. So let's say you're getting, like, how, can I ask how many invitations are you getting, I would say, like in a week right now? Oh. I know it's like super That's, roller coaster, yeah. which we just addressed, but if you had to pick an average. I don't, I, it's tough because sometimes I'll go a day or more without anything, and I'll even sometimes, you know, scan through the job feed, and there's really nothing posted in the last day or two that fits like what I normally do. But then sometimes like I'll go to bed and wake up and there's three notifications on my phone of, of new invitations. And so I suppose it can be, who knows, seven, 10, 12 a week or something. But that's probably on the high end. Well, just just for easy math, although I don't know if I'll be doing any math here, but let's just say you get 10 uh, a week. What What happens when you start getting 50 a week or 100 a week? Because maybe your profile is doing really well, maybe maybe for whatever reason, like your skill set comes in really high demand and you like maybe in, you know, in May, for some reason, everyone needs like spreadsheet work done. And uh, you didn't know that. But for whatever reason, like the whole world wants work done on their spreadsheets. Do you I mean, at that moment, do you build some sort of system or, or do you plan ahead for some sort of system where you can outsource work or do you just do you only take on the clients that are the very best ones um so that you're only working with the best clients and the the clients can go find someone else on your own and you sort of miss out on that piece of it or like what do you have a plan or what what are your thoughts on all of that that's a a really good question one that i haven't really thought about before i think what i would do just my initial reaction is uh, i don't feel that inclined to uh build a system where I, you know, pass those proposals on to others, partially because, uh, just, you know how it is when 
to turn over something to someone else and hope that they do a good job at it. Uh And it's really difficult to relinquish control or whatever. I think I have a case of that. And I think that partially what I like and I imagine what my clients like about what I do is the way I do things. And so unless I found someone who did things the same way as I did or spent the time training them, then I'd maybe lose some of what I think is like a a valuable thing that I offer. This also might be like way overstated and it may not be nearly to the extent that I'm imagining. But even still, even if that was not even an element in the decision, I think what I would do instead if proposals or invitations to interview were that um, had, had risen to that amount, then I would probably just be raising my profile rate and then it would naturally mm. filter out how many people, because I'm, I'm okay to keep doing what I'm doing. And as my profile rate goes up, I can spend less time on it and make the same amount. I mean, obviously that so that I could have more time to spend on other things. So I think before I would, before I would farm it out or build a system like that, um, I would probably just keep raising my rate and then I would have fewer to choose from. And then maybe even still, I would only pick the ones that the projects that look really fun or the clients that looked especially, you know, good to work with or, or whatever the case may be. That's really interesting as, as a freelancer, I think, I think this maybe is a distinguishing, uh, trait between freelancers and maybe entrepreneurs. Like, not not to say I, I guess in some ways they're the same, but like but like a freelancer I think is perfectly content and obviously there's nothing wrong with this. Perfectly content to sort of just uh, work the number of hours you want to work with the kinds of clients you want to work with, bill what you want to be able to charge for your work, and be done. And and some people are hungry for like scale, right? They wanna they wanna start that way, but then when they start getting tons of client requests, they want to subcontract and then you build a three-person agency then a 10-person agency then a 30-person agency and then eventually you have this huge thing on your hands you've hired people or, or whatever like it, it could it could turn into this big thing or, or like on on one of our other podcasts we interviewed um uh russ russ perry he built a company called design pickle and and <clears throat> basically it's a it's a whole just team of basically freelancers and then clients that pay a flat rate to design pickle and then the freelancers do the work for the clients but it's basically just a company that connects freelancers with clients on a sort of flat rate every month sort of basis and and, but but he started as a freelancer started working with clients started then outsourcing bit by bit um when things got to be too much and he completely scaled it but to some people that sounds like a nightmare i mean he runs a I don't remember like a like a ten million dollar company now, and and to some freelancers that just sounds like not what they want at all. And so I just think it's interesting. Like there's multiple paths you can take. Mm. My initial instinct last night I was on Twitter, and um, there's a hashtag hashtag freelance mm-hmm. life. That's kind of fun to go through sometimes. <laughs> and there was this girl that said, uh, I have it up right here. I'm going to read it. She says, you know when you get zero work for months on end and then in one week get offered enough to pay your rent for the next year but can't take it all because there's not enough hours in the day? Yeah, that. Hashtag mm. freelance life. And my gut reaction to that was hire a subcontractor. Like, yeah. figure it out. If someone wants to pay you enough money to pay your rent for a whole year, 
you got to figure that out. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like why, I don't know if she just hadn't thought of that, but why would, why would you not take that job? Any ideas? That's a, an interesting statement that, that she made. And maybe it is that, that she didn't think about that. Or maybe it's the type of project is something that would be really difficult to do with as a team. But then again, like saying that just because it's difficult doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And especially if maybe the difficulty is worth, you know, paying your rent for a year. But it it also might be that that's just not their style, you know, that for some reason they really yeah, just point. like doing things themselves. And that's why they're in the freelance world to begin with. And so it would make sense for them to to compromise on that. I think if if the project's really that big, then I would be willing to do things a little different than normal, but I can only speak for myself, I guess. We should message her. Yeah, I would think, you know, uh, I really should. Um, I just think, yeah, if like I'm trying to think if someone offered me a job that paid my mortgage for a year, I think I'd. I, I guess I guess maybe this isn't true because like if it, if it was work I really hated or a client I really like maybe I disagree with morally or like yeah. there are, there are things I guess that would keep me from doing the project, but um but I don't think there's a lot of things <laughs> like <laughs> I think I would probably try to get the job. It yeah. could be too that you know we don't know this is obviously just one little tweet we don't know the full scenario. It could be that um she has plenty of other work. It could be that uh. You know, she wasn't actually offered this work. She it was just like she maybe got an invitation for an interview or an RFP or something, and so we don't know the whole yeah. situation. But but it, it does bring up like this interesting idea that you know you want to build a life where you can move to France and live in France for three or four months, and you know it, that may not that may not jive with like building a team of ten freelancers who who in a, sit in a collective in a co-working space and like work together to find clients and serve clients. So it, I think, it, I think we've come back to this theme a few times in the podcast, which is like the joy of freelancing is uh, you kind of get to build what you want to build in terms of a career and a lifestyle. Yeah. And I like, I like that about it. That's I mean, the, the main thing that drew me to it, I do have, you know, desires to do things entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially, I have a desire to do things entrepreneurially as well, but if I were to do that, it would be in a different arena. I think as far as this is concerned, as as far as the projects I'm doing now, I just, I like doing them myself. So I'll just keep doing them and, and I'll find a place where my, my hourly rate matches what the market, you know, is, is willing to provide and I'll keep doing that. And then if I decide to make some system, it'll likely be in a different in a different arena entirely. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So eventually on this show, we could end up talking about your company. Yeah. That you, the, that you build. Uh, has, has nothing <laughs> to do with spreadsheets or something. Though it'd probably be backed by some pretty rad <laughs> systems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. This, all of this sort of comes back to the idea of planning for me. Like if you're getting, you know, 10 uh, invitations a week now, are you planning for the day when you'll get 20? Are, are you aiming to get 20 at some point? Are you aiming to get 50 or 100 at some point? Like what, is there any sort of roadmap of like, by this date, I'd like to get this many invitations per week or by this day, I'd like to be making this much money. I know you had the goal of like replacing your daily 
or, or like your salary income. But aside from that, like what, what kind of long-term planning, if any, do you do as a freelancer? Not much, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about people listening to this and there's probably going to be a segment <laughs> who are appalled to hear the way I approach my freelancing. And there's probably some that'll be humored by it and maybe some that'll even be like inspired by it that it doesn't have to be planned out and it can still I think there for sure will be people that will be inspired by it. Like this, this, yeah, this sort of so, laissez-faire <laughs> lifestyle. And, and I don't think it's bad necessarily. It's just it's just how you want to do it. And again, like that's what freelancing is about. You build the life and the career that you want to build. So sorry, keep going. No, I think, I think it's good. You know, whoever you are out there listening, like that it, my way does definitely does not have to be the only way this could be done. It could be managed differently and perhaps even taken less seriously than it may appear that I take it sometimes. But, um, let's see. So do I have any plan like long-term? I, I don't really think about it that much. In those sorts of ways, I guess, I think about, you know, how I'd like to maybe get my profile right to a certain point. And, um, but I haven't planned out like how many invitations I hope to get in a certain period of time. I think because I don't necessarily have a good grasp of, of what truly is available on the platform on Upwork currently that fits Ah. my, my skills. Like sometimes I'll scan through like all the jobs that come up in, in my feed, which I think is, is getting better at being accurate to my skill set as I've searched for things and whatnot. But, and I'll, I'll scan through a few days worth and I can easily see all the projects that fit. So I'm not necessarily sure if it would be uh, beneficial to say, how oh, I want to hit 20 invitations a week or 30 or whatever. Cause I think I get a good chunk of them already that fit to my skills. Maybe then I'd, I'd in that case, you know, there there's a way that I could plan for the future if I did want to say um, 20 in a week in the future. And that's because I can expand the scope of things, which is really nice, something that you can do as a freelancer that you can't do maybe as readily or with as much control when you're an, an employee in a standard, you know, workplace. That is, if I wanted to go from 10 to 20, but I've exhausted all the spreadsheet development and Google Apps script jobs or whatever, which is not the case yet, but if it were, then I could, um, spend some time building my skills in, in Python or in scripting AdWords scripts or things that are similar to what I'm doing, but branching out a little bit. And as I increase my skills there, and as I learn about it, then I would open up to a whole nother job feed essentially that has been as of yet untouched Uh. by me. And that's how I could maybe move from 10 to 20 to 30 to whatever. But I think at that point I wouldn't have the time to, to work through that many jobs in a week, unless of course I were to subcontract out, but yeah, there's definitely ways to expand it. I just haven't made any explicit goals or, or, or things regarding that particularly. Yeah. And I don't think you have to necessarily, you know, uh, I, I think so in, in one of our other shows, uh, called side gig, um, it's a, <clears throat> Andy, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a three person sort of talk show between me and two guys who, while working a nine to five job, we built these side businesses that now we're running full time. And, um, so we just chat about like what it takes to, to run a, or, or start or build or run a, a successful side hustle. And, we talked uh, the other day, I'll, I'll be sure to put this link in the show notes, but um, 
we talked the other day on an episode about uh, sort of vision versus goals and how sometimes your goals will change week to week or day to day or month to month. But this long-term vision, you may not even know that you have it, uh, but this vision is sort of your guiding compass that you you might zigzag your way there. But like ultimately, if you keep your eye on the horizon on that on that one vision that you have. And and in talking to you, Andy, it feels like you have that, you know, there's, there's like this vision of like being able to travel and being, you, you've seen your brother, I think it's your brother-in-law, like you've seen his flexibility and his lifestyle and, and uh, you want to be able to travel more and to pick your own hours and maybe wake up late or maybe stay up late working or, or whatever. Um, so I think it, it's interesting, like just, just because you don't have like these, oh, I want to double my, you know, invitations kinds of goals. That doesn't mean you don't have like these long-term goals or visions for what you want your life and your career to look like, right? Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, that I do have that sort of vision. I know where I want to be roughly financially, you know, in order to provide for the the lifestyle that I want. And I know the lifestyle that I want. And so that helps you know, inform how many jobs I take for how many hours I can spend and so on. So maybe subconsciously I am setting these goals or at least every time a decision comes up, it's, it's steered by that vision. Like you're saying, because I want to reach a certain place and each decision will either bring me closer to that or take me further away. Yeah. I remember reading an article when Charles Schultz died. He's the creator of the Peanuts comic strip. And I grew up reading comics on Sunday with my grandpa. And I remember Charles, when Charles Schultz died, he, um, there was a, a sort of memoir to him written by his daughter in the, in the comic section of the Sunday paper. And, um, and her article, basically there was a lot to it, but one little piece really stood out to me and I, I couldn't have been, I don't know, maybe 15 or something. And, um, and it said that they never knew that their dad had a job (laughs) because, um, he would wake up, get them ready for school, take them to school a lot of times. And then he would work on his cartooning during the day, but then he was done by the time they got home from school. And, um, that was, that's just something that's like always, um, stuck with me is like, now I have, I have three kids of my own and, taking my business full time has been an incredible way to sort of reach that vision that I, I, you know, I never wrote it down on a piece of paper. I want to be a dad like Charles Schultz, (laughs) like, you know, none of that was ever like official, but I, but I've realized over the years that that had a, an impact on my long-term vision of like, wow, what a lifestyle where your kids, instead of like typical, because I also grew up in the nineties and typical nineties movie dad was like, never there, always working, always on his cell phone when he was at home, always on his laptop or whatever. And so there was this really stark contrast between the two. Anyway, I'm rambling, but but I, I love that you can have a long-term vision for something that's really important to you. Um, and, and it kind of doesn't matter a lot of times if you know your goals will change week to week or day to day or month to month, but that long-term vision can really anchor you and drive you yeah, forward. I think that's a great little tangent and it totally applies in this realm. People will go into freelancing for any number of reasons, maybe to explore a new skill set or to um, deal with being laid off or deal with changes in the economy or just want to pursue a different lifestyle like yeah. I'm doing just to to you know allow for that yeah. flexibility of time and location. So whatever reason they're going into it, 
their right. vision will guide what decisions they make and and hopefully we'll all get to you know whatever vision we have in mind yeah and i'd argue that if your vision is to make a lot of money uh maybe find yeah. a new vision <laughs> like especially if you want to be a freelancer I, I you know i don't know of many many like millionaire freelancers and um and i think that's okay like i think most of us have different motives and freelancing is sort of a vehicle to get us there so um great anything else we should be adding this week for the listeners i oh yeah be good (laughs) be good everybody out there um i i think it really pays (laughs) off i found that a couple times with some clients that we've had really positive working relationships and we treat each other with respect and it benefits everybody um I, the reason I thought of that is I just glanced down at my notepad at one of the notes and uh, I was reminded of a client that I worked with and in their job posting, they described what was going on and I could tell that all that they needed to do was add a line of code. And so I wrote to him and I said, I'm pretty, and this is maybe like a faux pas, maybe this is like a magician telling their secrets or whatever. But before I even was offered the contract, I... um. I was able to tell him, Hey, just try this and see if it works. And I, I could have waited and accepted the contract and, and maybe drug things out and been like, Oh yeah, I'm really, cause I could have done what he asked, which would have taken longer and achieved the same thing, but been way more complex. Instead, I told him, you know, put this in your, in your script and it should work fine. And indeed it did. It did exactly what he needed. And he was ready to pay hundreds of dollars or whatever. And he was really excited. I was happy to help. And he offered to pay me anyway. So he paid me for like an hour of work, even though I just helped him for like 10 minutes. And he was super stoked because it was way less than he expected. Yeah. And I got paid. So be good out there. I think if everyone treats each other with respect and, you know, tries to help each other out, that the whole system improves as as a result. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, Andy, you are genuinely like one of the kindest, most thoughtful people I've ever met. Um, and so I think, I just think like bravo to you. It's really, um, it really says a lot about your character, just the way you treat people. Um, and, but even more so like in business that can really, and it's not all about like the payoff later. Right. But it can, it can really pay off later. You, you know, when that guy has a similar problem next time, is he going to post a random thing on Upwork or is he going to reach out to you? He's probably going to reach out yeah. to his his now like friend and confidant who who wasn't like greedy about the money and was just interested in helping him solve his problem. And so, yeah, that's that's some wonderful parting advice. Thank you so much for that. Sure, All right. You. I didn't mean to well, toot my own horn or anything. I just, you know. No, no. I think it's... See? Yeah. <laughs> you're just a good guy i know you weren't yeah. trying to toot your own horn but i think it's i think it's great advice yeah be good i want to uh, if we can tackle one last thing before we uh, round out this episode i know in previous episodes we talked just a little bit about your plans to travel more uh and and to not not just travel like you know go on a cruise but but to go live abroad for months at a time is that still on the roadmap and how's you know what's happening in that arena definitely in the future it's been something that's been a goal from the start and it's it's now i i don't know if we've talked about this before but we actually have bought our tickets for our first excursion bought one-way tickets to france and nice yeah uh uh-huh 
one-way tickets to and France. Is that what you said? So we are going That is so in, cool. That's awesome. Let's see. It sounds longer. It'll probably fly by. It'll be one, two, three and a half months about till we leave. And we're going to France and we plan to stay there for about three months. And then we've talked about where we want to go after that, but we don't have any solid plans. So we've been researching where we want to stay in France because we don't want to just wander for three months. We kind of want to find a spot, get an Airbnb for a, a month or more, maybe even two or three months in one place and just kind of settle in and, and live there. Essentially, I think once you've, once you've spent a couple months, then it, you've, you've lived there. You haven't just traveled there. Obviously, it, the more you spend there, uh, the better. But we want to actually feel like we're living in a different place, at least for a short time. Um, yes, by that definition, I, I did live in Switzerland for a summer. I worked at an international scout camp. So I was there for about four months. I would consider that living living there, even though it was temporary and it was always temporary from, okay. from the start. Um, yeah. I, I definitely feel like I've, I've lived in Switzerland. Yeah, cool. Well, that's so exciting, man. I Maybe we can talk your wife into jumping on an episode when you guys actually uh, fly over to France. We can do our first international uh, episode and maybe we can have her on. You guys can talk about yeah. just, you know, the logistics of like getting there. I'm sure it will come up in multiple episodes, but I think this is something a lot of listeners are really interested in. You know, it's a, it's a big reason why a lot of people get into freelancing or want to get into freelancing is the flexibility to travel. I hear it all the time. You know, how do I run a, a business remotely f- from anywhere so I can go live anywhere? I can be anywhere. Um, so I'm really excited to hear the details uh, about what's happening. I'm sure we'll chat a lot more about it, but that's exciting, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Chat next week. All right. We'll hear more about what's happening. Okay. See ya. Okay. We'll see you later. Thanks again. As a reminder, show notes for this episode can be found at FreelanceLifePodcast.com slash five. And this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. You can try their brand new proposals feature that we talked about at the top of the show at FreshBooks.com slash Andy. That's A-N-D-Y. With FreshBooks, sending a professional proposal is incredibly fast and easy. Just upload your logo, include a few small details about your pitch, and send it right from the platform. Plus, they'll notify you when your potential client has looked at the proposal, and they can include comments right there if they have any questions. It really streamlines the whole process. You can give it a test run at freshbooks.com Andy, where you'll get unrestricted access for 30 days. Just type Andy in the How Did You Hear About Us section. My Freelance Life is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us at M-I-L-L-O dot C-O. The theme music for this show is a song by Joaquin Garud called Road Trip. And we will talk to you next time on episode six of My Freelance Life. See ya.